find us. They're not living. Come on, say amen. Uh, the dead know not nothing. Come on, say They're not even dead. Come on, say amen. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is they just, they're here. Why are they here? Why we got them? They're here to remind us that the reason why we come here, get dressed up, dressed down, whatever it is, we do it for people who are not even here yet. And at some point, we're going to take them and put them right up there in that baptismal pool to symbolize what we want to happen to them. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. All right. Praise God. So I'm excited today because the church has left the building. And in, in, in preparation for that, on March the 8th, on March the 8th, we are having our Victory Sabbath in preparation for our Building a Place for Grace. So what, what is a Victory Sabbath? Yeah, I, I like that. Victory Sabbath is the Sabbath that we are going to celebrate that all the commitments have been in from every member of this church. We don't believe in equal giving. We believe in equal sacrifice. Come on, say amen. Amen. I know you're not rich, neither am I, but I believe that we can do all things through Christ that strengthen us. It's going to be an all-hands-on-deck thing, and we're going to celebrate to the glory of God on that Sabbath what God's going to do. We're going to do one, sab- one service on that Sabbath, one service on that Sabbath, one service on that Sabbath. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Lord just told me. Uh, we're going to do one service on that Sabbath. We'll have our Go University uh, Sabbath school study at uh, 915, and then we'll have 11 o'clock service uh, for this grand finale. It's going to be a very special day. We're going to be able to share with you testimonies of people who have sacrificed and how God has blessed. I heard a testimony this morning, and I, I don't want to steal my man's testimony, but somebody had to make a decision between giving to the building fund and getting their car out of repossession. And they decided to give to the building fund, and based on a the technicality, they're getting their car back without having to pay money for it. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. The Bible says, listen, if you give, he will give back to you good measure, <laughs> pressed down, shaken together, <laughs> and running over. Said he will give into your bosom. Come on, say amen. So how many are excited about building a place for grace? Come on, say amen. Praise the Lord. So what we mean by we're, we, we are, well, the church has left the building, and we are modeling that today with our attire Um, We are modeling the idea that the church leaving the building is simply a play upon words that the church is not a building. Come on, say amen. Amen. The word of God tells us in Acts 7, the word of God tells us in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all, especially in the New Testament, that the church is a group of people. Would you say amen? Amen. You're the church. Come on, say amen. Amen. Building or no building, we still got a church. Praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, when the first church started, there was no building. Praise the Lord, somebody. And what we need in 2014 in order to reach this group of people where studies are showing now that the fastest growing religion in the United States is agnosticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people are not going to church anymore. You got to go get them. They're not coming. You can invite them. How many of you invited people to church and they ain't feeling it, right? Yeah, they're not feeling church because they've had bad experiences with it. The only way you'll reach Tom, Justin, and his mama, Tamika, huh? Keisha, I'm sorry, Keisha, I gave it to Tamika. Now, you know, that's a stereotypical thing for a black, call her Keisha, right? But Tamika too, though, so that's stereotypical too. So Tamika, Justin, and how are we going to, I mean, listen, they're not coming. Their lives are so messed up. We have to go and get them. Would you say amen? And guess what? This is not new light. You know why? Because we've been already given a commission in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. The Bible does not say tell people to come. It says go. Amen. And that's why our that's why our mission statement here in Glenville is ready. 
That's what we're doing right now. Ready in worship, set. That's what Go University is. We get, we're getting in the word together. So proud to hear the testimonies of those that came to Go University. That was so moving. My sister said that she couldn't really connect. She's a shy person. She couldn't connect, but the group has afforded her opportunity to build relationships. Pray all. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love to hear people getting connected. I love to hear people growing. And so we're ready in worship. What we're doing now, we're set in fellowship. Go University, Sabbath school, all that stuff. And today we're about to do some going. That's what we're doing today. Yeah, that's that's why that's why we dress down. Because we got our work clothes on. <laughs> We're about to go to work. <laughs> so as soon as the second service is over, Pastor Evans is going to preach the shortest sermon that he's ever preached in his life. And that's going to be a miracle. Come on, say amen. We're going to then go out into the community. Sister Barbara Davis has got like 10 different locations and assignments all over the city where we're going to go out and we're going to do ministry. And I think that's what pleases God. Would you say amen? That's what pleases God. And so every fourth Sabbath, just in case you didn't know, you forgot. Every fourth Sabbath. What Sabbath did I say, everybody? Every fourth Sabbath. What Sabbath did I say, everybody? Every fourth Sabbath. Look at your neighbor and remind him real quick. Say it's on the fourth Sabbath. Every fourth Sabbath. Every fourth Sabbath, we're dressing down. Why? Because we're going out. We're going out. Why? Because we got Tom <laughs> and he's got a son named Justin and he's got a wife named Keisha. Come on, say amen. And if I recall, it's love Keisha. Praise God. And they need Jesus. They need a touch. They need a touch. They, need, they don't need money. They need a touch. And we're going to go out there. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm excited to share with you. Uh, what I believe, the title of our message today from the book of Acts, and I just want to thank again Pastor Michael Hayes. I believe he is watching our broadcast right now. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you for coming here last week and preaching your head off. Thank you, my brother. We love you, man. We love you. Acts chapter 4 is where we are. We're going through the book of Acts. Does everybody know that? Does everybody know that each Sabbath we're preaching the book of Acts? For the next several weeks, we're studying the book of Acts. The theme is ordinary people. Somebody shout ordinary people. Um, what we're saying is, is that the kinds of people that God uses are ordinary. You don't have to be extraordinary for God to use you. Uh, you just need to be. And we ordinary. We don't mean <laughs> And that's his model. Christ's model is take the most ordinary thing possible and do the most extraordinary thing possible. Would you say amen? And so what we're doing is we're tracking the book of Acts. And what I want to talk about today is, is there is, and I don't know if you've noticed, there's a difference between the church in the book of Acts. And for those of you who've gotten a chance to not just listen to us preach about it, but just read the book of Acts on your own. By the way, let me just throw this out here. If you're a Christian, like you ought to have like gone through the book of Acts several times. Yeah, like this, the book of Acts shows us what a church is supposed to look like, okay? Amen. What a church is supposed to be doing. So, uh, as I'm reading the book of Acts, I get agitated. Uh, anybody ever felt like that when you've read the Bible? You're like, man, look at, I mean, look at the healings, look at the miracles, look what God's doing here. And then you look at your life, mm -hmm, or you look at the church, mm -hmm, and you're just like, ah, oh, man, this is just, I mean, come on, is God, is God not the same God that he was 2,000 years ago? Is he not that same God now? I mean, are the atheists right? Is he dead? Are, are the agnostics right that he doesn't really care? I mean, they, they got to be wrong, right? So what is the difference? Somebody shout the difference. What is the, like, the difference between their church and our church? 
Other than the fact that like a thousand people would come to the Lord in a day, 3,000. And then the Bible says daily. <laughs> I'm just, I'm blowing everybody. The Bible says daily people were added to the kingdom. Amen. Daily. I mean, and the preachers were not the ones doing it. It was people full, ordinary people, uh, full of the Holy Spirit. They were leading people to Christ. They were passionate about him. I mean, cloven tongues of fire fell on the 12. But when the 12 began to preach, everybody began to receive the spirit of God. It was not a superstar church where you had superstar pastors and super gifted people. It was a church based of just regular, ordinary people who actually believed what they heard. They believed that he died. They believed that he rose again. And they believed that he had sent his spirit. And they believed in the gospel that their sins have been pardoned. So they were like, man, we've got to tell somebody about it. And it was under that context of a church that I'm like, look at that church. And then look at us. Look at that church. Look at us. Man, we're night and day. We're night and day. Night and day. I heard one. I was, I was re- I'm reading this book right now called The Secrets of the Secret Place again, uh, Elder Rudd. I'm, re- I'm reading it again. And one of the things that he said in there, he's talking about spiritual warfare, and he's just talking about how God was moving so strong in the early days of the church. He said, man, in China, when China experienced its first revival some over 100 years ago, it says that a, a group of the believers in China were, were in communist, in that communist country, Christianity is outlawed, Cliff. So, so what, what happened is, is they were so used to seeing miracles happen that, one, that during a period of time, for like 21 days, no one had been raised from the dead. So they got so disturbed that they decided that they were going to not eat until somebody was raised from the dead. Wow. <laughs> Lord God, help me, Lord. Listen, see, so back then, back then, it was normal for miracles to happen. But now, if a miracle happens, it's abnormal. It's like abnormal now. We're like, I mean, if something like that happened today, we'd be blown away. In, in biblical days, when miracles were happening, they were like, oh, that's supposed to happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, somebody was, was raised from the dead? Oh, yeah. Somebody was healed by Peter, by, 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 by the shadow of Paul? Oh, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Oh, they, they took his handkerchief and they passed it out to people. People were being healed? Oh, yeah. 3,000 came in one day? Oh, that's what's supposed to happen. I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the power of God is in us. These things are supposed to happen. Here's what I want to suggest to us today as we get ready to discover what I believe as we study the book of Acts chapter four. The difference is, is yo, let's admit first that we ain't them. Amen. So if we're not them in terms of what God is doing through us, then we need to change. Would you admit that? Somebody, come on, come on now. I know we're afraid of that word, but believe this. If we're going to at least touch on that and know now, and listen, I got to tell my, my Seventh-day Adventist folk this, you know the prophecies, right? Your girl Ellen says that, that, that the, the glory in the last days is going to be greater than the glory in the former days. Oh, man, did you hear that? It's, we ain't seen nothing yet. You ought to be disturbed by the current culture of the church where there is no power in most of the average believers. It takes 35 Seventh-day Adventists to produce one convert in 2014. When the church first started, it was one to one. Did you, did you just catch what I just told you? It takes about 35 of us to produce one person who is a follower of Christ. That means there's a whole bunch of us, 34 of us, who ain't really doing nothing for God. We're not full of God. We're not empowered by God. We're not being used by God. And this is the problem that I'm having with myself. It should not be okay. It's not okay. It's not okay that we're dead. It's not okay. Just coming in here and worshiping is not okay. 
It's not okay, not if you look at us and you look at them. It's not okay. And so by the grace of God, we want to see what the, what the difference will be. So let's, uh, let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 4. And really what we're going to do is just walk through the scriptures. All right? Just going to walk through the scriptures this morning. Are you ready? Amen. Uh, and for example, you know, like, so, uh, you know, I have this thing where I want to be fit, but I don't want to do the work that it takes to be fit. Like, I'll buy all the videos. Like, I, you know, I, the P90X, got it. Man, I even got hip-hop abs. I shouldn't have told none of the other brothers that. I got, I got hip-hop abs. Forgive me, brother. Please don't hold that against me. I got hip-hop abs. I got P90X. Uh, by the way, these are, these are videos that you can buy online to help you work out. Video, in-home workout videos, okay? P90X, Insanity, got them all. Doing, I'm doing, uh, James Whitehead's got me doing T25 now. It's the, it's the workout where you only take 25 minutes of your morning. So my excuse was, well, I, I stopped doing P90X because it's just too long. So now I'm doing T25, and T25 seems like it's too long. <laughs> it's, a, it's excuse after excuse. But one of the things I like about the infomercials, you ever seen these infomercials where they're like trying to sell you the product, and if you buy it right now, <laughs> like this offer is only going to last in the next 10 minutes. You better buy this right now, just over three payments of $39.95, right? $39.95, you need to buy this right now. And the truth of the matter is, is I've watched those commercials like every day, and it's always 10 minutes. Come on, say amen. It never changes, but they give you this feeling like you better get it now. But the real selling point of these um, of these workout videos is the before and after. Now listen, that's what gets me going to my account. That's what gets me going to buy the stuff because I see it and they put the most average ordinary people. I mean, I love it now. They've got these average Joes and girls. And so they'll have a guy and he's got like his speed, Speedo on. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, he, he looks sad and depressed. You know what I'm saying? His, his stomach, it just, it just lays over everything. <laughs> I mean, he's got love handles. Nobody's laughing. All right. I mean, his stretch marks. I mean, he looks a hot mess. And then he decides to do P90X with Tony Horton. And he's for the 90 days. And they see, show him working out. And he's sweating. And he's doing all the exercises. 90 days later, they show the picture of him. He's got a smile on his face. His chest is ripped. He's got that. <laughs> Yo, man, when I saw that, I was like, I'm getting that. I want it. I'm getting that now. That's going to be me. But it ain't going to take me 90 days. <laughs> Uh, see, I didn't want to do the work. I want, oh, y'all not hearing me now. I wanted the product, but I did not want the process. Everybody, and, and most of us in here, we know what it takes. Health and financial growth only requires two things. It requires knowledge and behavior. 80% of the people have the knowledge, but 80% of the people do not have or practice the behavior necessary in order to move this thing. And that's one of the reasons why in 2014, we are adding the ghost Sabbath to our schedule. In 2015, we're going to have two ghost Sabbaths. In 2016, we're going to have three ghost Sabbaths. We're going to get to a point as a church where every Sabbath... We're, see, because we don't just want to promote a product, but not go through the process. And the process is, is I can't just talk about it in Sabbath school. Discipleship. Oh, we're getting deep. We're talking about it. I can't just talk about it and go to university. I can't just hear this pastor preach about it and feel convicted and go home. I've got to actually do something. Aww. I've got to do something about what I heard. And so, 
What was the difference between them and us? I'm going to tell you right now, they had less information about God and about his word than we do. So the difference was not knowledge. Y'all been through more uh, evangelistic series than they did. Matter of fact, y'all been Christians longer than they were. They had only been with Jesus for three and a half years. Many of us have known the Lord all our lives. We've known about him. So why why does our spiritual lives look like the flabby person in the before picture? And why does their Christian experience look like the chiseled, uh, buff, fit, yes, fit, worked out person after? And I don't think it's not it's not knowledge because you've got that. What is it? And, and, and I just want to know right now, is anybody disturbed like pastor that you enough that you want it, that you want to grow? You want to get spiritually fit. You want power. You want power. You want to be able to pray and see things happen. You want to have the spirit of God oozing in your life, moving in your being from the crown of the head to the sole of your feet. You don't want to be with him on Sabbath, but then on Sunday and Monday, you got no power. It's right here, and I'm going to show you. Bible says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. All right, so just a reminder, Peter and John had just healed the lame man who had been lame for 40 years. Now, what they're getting ready to experience is opposition. I would write that word down. Now, I'm amazed that they did not experience opposition at Pentecost. Did you notice that? When Pentecost happened and the spirit fell down on the church and 3,000 came in, there was no opposition from the church. There was none. As a matter of fact, after that, the Bible says that, that more miracles began to happen. They studied the word together. They fellowship. On the day that Pentecost happened and 3,000 of them came to the Lord... That happened without any opposition. And then it hit me that the opposition to the church did not occur until Acts chapter 3. What was different in Acts chapter 3 than Acts chapter 1 and 2? Well, in Acts chapter (laughs) 3, Peter and John healed the man on the turf of the system. (laughs) Pentecost fell near an upper room somewhere outside the city. But what started the fight against their opposition was now they were taking their belief. Now they were taking their, 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 their ideas and they were bringing it to the system. <laughs> Watch this. So the Bible says they were confronted by the priests. Captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. Watch this. The Bible says, verse two, these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a what? So what were they disturbed about? They were disturbed about the teaching concerning the what? Resurrection. We'll get more light on that in a second. Verse three, they arrested them. Now I'm like, why wouldn't you arrest them when 3000 folk joined? Because you hadn't threatened them. 
<laughs> they weren't threatened by that. They don't care. There were always, remember now, in, in, in that time in Earth's history, there were always uprisings. There were always people uh, claiming Barabbas was an upriser that had followers. There were always stuff. They weren't threatened by uprisings. But why was this one man who gets healed, why all of a sudden did that cause them to say, we got to stop them? Watch this. They arrested them since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. Verse 4, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So, so I want you to see now, they've gone from 120 to 15,000, give or take. Probably more, because in those days they had a whole bunch of children. Okay? So let's keep going now. What we just discovered is that when God begins to move on his people, this, this is, uh, watch this now. Any legitimate move of God will threaten the system. When it's a legitimate move of the Holy Spirit, the system is not going to welcome it because it's going to be a threat to what has always been done. So who, who was threatened? The Sadducees. Do you know who the Sadducees were? The Sadducees were basically the opposite of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the conservatives. The, 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 the Pharisees were the conservatives. The Sadducees were the liberals. And 90 percent of the Sadducees were priests who controlled the temple. They were aristocrats who had money. See, they, see the, the Pharisees' burden was, we need, to, we need to separate ourselves from the world. The priests, however, the, the Sadducees, their thing was, is, look, um, we have been, benefited from our relationship with the world financially, and, and they have given us power and authority. We wanna, they were worshipers of power and authority. And so what happened was, is when this healing happened in the temple, it challenged their power and authority. And you're going to see that in a minute. Oh, man. One of the one of the number one fights that you'll see in church is generally if you uncover all the layers, there are generally fights about power, authority and territory. Who's in charge? Can it happen here? And, have, and, and do I have control over it? But the thing about the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, ain't nobody in charge except him. See, the Holy Spirit goes against the system. Can I take you back some? When the reformers, the reformers, uh, 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 Wesley and, and, and Martin Luther and Calvin, uh, see, when the Spirit of God began to show them righteousness by faith, what did it do to the Catholic Church? It challenged the system. And in the last days, y'all know this. Come on now. I ain't, I ain't speaking heresy. Seven-day Adventist, what's going to happen? When we begin to preach these three angels' messages, what is it going to do? It's going to challenge. What's happening right now is, is that there is a message of the Holy Spirit being preached in modern Adventism, and it's challenging the system. That's why people are fighting women <laughs> as leaders and pastors in the church. Because what's happening is, is the Holy Spirit is falling on women to use them in places where men ain't doing their job. But because this is not fitting the system. Can I tell you some more stuff? The challenges that we're seeing across the church as I travel around, we're seeing a challenge between generations. Who's in charge? 
cleanse the church. These are all threats to the system. And what I want you to understand is, anytime there are arguments about system and control, know who's behind it. It's Satan. Can I take you back to heaven? The issue in heaven that caused Satan to get kicked out was that he he did not like God's system. And he wanted to start his, oh God, y'all not praying with me in here. There are many of us in here, we're company men and women. (laughs) We're more into system than we are into spirit. Oh, I don't got time for that in here. So, so watch what happened. When they began to heal this man on the steps of the temple, what they did was they were now a threat to these priests who for the past 50 days, now watch this, please don't miss this. For the past 50 days, they thought that their problem was over with dealing with Jesus. Why, why did I say 50? Because Pentecost is 50 days after the crucifixion, right? When Christ died, they, dis- they thought to themselves, it's over. <laughs> we-, we got rid of them. And then all of a sudden, these unlearned men show up at their territory, heal a man. The man starts shouting all over the temple. <laughs> and then Peter starts preaching with boldness. Y'all killed him. And the system said, we got to stop him. Because they were a threat to their power and their authority. The other thing that they had a problem with is Sadducees did not believe in miracles. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in the resurrection. So notice, we we just saw that, right? The text says that when they began to preach the resurrection, that's when the Sadducees said, enough is enough. Because we had already put together a, a, a plan, a conspiracy. When Christ was resurrected from the dead, they knew that he got up. And so they spread, the Bible says, they spread a lie telling them, listen, uh, his disciples stole his body. They knew he got up, but they did not want to honor it. And so now the disciples, emboldened with the spirit, are healing people. And the first thing that comes out of their mouths is, you killed him and he's alive. <laughs> Watch this. The opposition to this little movement was because they were a threat. They were disturbing their system of power and they were on their turf. Now, watch what happens. And I'm going to show you the difference between us and them. Okay? Now, y'all getting the full sermon today. Second service is going to get the abbreviated one. Maybe. maybe. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the of of religious law met in Jerusalem, called a meeting. All right. Annas, the high priest, was there, Sadducee, along with Caiaphas, John Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. Quick quiz: What's familiar about these names? Caiaphas, Annas. Who are them? Just, huh? These were the same guys <laughs> that were in that same room that thought they had succeeded in stopping Christ. <laughs> Do you see how the poetic justice of God? <laughs> I love it. I'm going to send you right. I'm a Peter. I'm going to send you right back where you denied me. I'm going to send you right back to that spot 
and let you recover. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, so watch, watch, watch. Verse 7, they brought in the two disciples and demanded. Now, notice their question. They're not asking them about what happened. Notice their question. Their question is, is by what, what? Power. <laughs> or in whose name have you done this? They're saying, who's in charge? Because we feel like we're in charge. And this is a threat. That's the spirit of Satan. Anytime there's an argument about who's in charge, it's Satan. Watch this. Can we keep going? Verse 8. Then Peter. See, this is, this is a different Peter. What was the difference? Then Peter, filled with the what? Said to them, rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful now remember, their question was what? By what name or what power? So notice, notice, notice Peter now. He says he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Now he could have let off that, but he says, no, I'm going to take it a little further. The man that you crucified, but he, now this is, this is going to tick them off. Whom God raised from the dead. Verse 11, for Jesus is the one referred to. Now he's quoting scripture. <laughs> yeah. and what he's saying is, is uh, um, um, uh, y'all killed him. Uh, God raised him from the dead. And I've got a text to prove it. He says, the stone that you builders rejected has now, somebody shout now, has now become the cornerstone. Verse 12, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. There is salvation And no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the Bible says this after the boldness of Peter. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. Underline that in your Bible. The boldness of Peter and John. For they could see they were. There it goes. They were ordinary, somebody shout ordinary. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. So for so so watch now. They were kind of they were like, whoa, hold on, time out. The last time we saw, they thought that with power and with might, they could intimidate Peter and John like they did the last time. When they saw Peter and John come in, they said, oh, we got this. These are the same guys who came in here the last time. And when they had a chance to stand for Christ, they did not. They all ran and got scared. We got this. But when Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, began to open up his mouth and with, and here it is, and with boldness began to talk of Jesus Christ, they were like, hold on. Something's different about them now. These men have been with Jesus. They've got no training in the word. They've got no understanding in the professional uh, 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 teaching of the scriptures. But they stand there with such. See, let me tell you something about God. When God is in you, even your enemies, 
Come on, give me, give me, give me. Even your enemies got to recognize. They may not acknowledge it, but they, they, they are disturbed. God is in there. <laughs> Woo! They also recognized them as man who had been with Jesus. Watch this now. Verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there, <laughs> right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. By the way, this is how you shut people up. Results. The ends will justify the means. What are the results? When I was in school, man, we had these like fanatics and they were like the ones trying to purify the church. You know, they didn't, I mean, <laughs> they didn't do nothing. They claim. I had one brother come to me and say, I have not sinned in one month. <laughs> yeah, he just said. So they, they, they were the church purifiers. They were the ones to purify the church. All they did was 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 critical, critical, critical. They sent, matter of fact, they brought in John Nixon from 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 AUC to Oakwood because the thing was getting so out of hand. And I remember John Nixon came in preaching the righteousness of Christ. Oh, those were some good days. Lord, whoo, preaching the righteousness of Christ through Christ our Lord and annihilated his opponents. Teaching of God's word cut through. But let me tell you something about these folk. All these folk who are people who are super critical about way things are done in church. Most of them don't have no results. Amen. Most of them ain't led nobody to Christ. Most folk that are critical of things are more critical than they are productive. The, thing, the way to shut people's mouths is to have results. Oh, Lord. Verse 15. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny. <laughs> we can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. Now, now, I want you to understand what just happened there. We're talking about people who do not even believe in miracles. Now they're saying, I can't deny that a miracle has happened. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. <laughs> Woo! Verse 17. But to keep them. Now notice what their agenda is. Not to disprove what they've done. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus name again. Verse 18. So they called the apostles back in. And commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Can I pause here and say this? Every act of, of distraction and confusion in the church is satanically designed to get us to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Satan cares nothing about our process. He's trying to stop the product. And if he can slow down the production line of soul winning with arguing, huh? With minor issues, 
with discussions about how and, and, and all those, then he has succeeded. Remember now, Ellen White says in Gospel Workers, uh, uh, page 472, she says, in the last days, she says, Satan's way to silence the sect of the Sabbath keepers is to cause distraction and division. On minor things. Then she quotes Satan. And Satan says of himself. He says for these things. God kicked us out of heaven. He says and we will cause a similar fate. Amongst the Sabbath keepers. Keep them fussing and fighting about how and when. And who. And who's in authority. And who's over. And who's under. So all they can come up with is. is They couldn't kill them. Because they would get killed. They said, let's just go in there and threaten them. That's what the enemy does to our ministry. He tries to threaten us with no money. Can't do it. Too big. Oh, y'all not hearing me. You know my stuff is coming straight in. <laughs> Listen, he's always trying to find a way to threaten. Let's talk personal. Do you know what I'm talking about? How in your own life, there's always this, this fear voice in your mind. You can't do it. Don't do this. Stay the course. There's always the spirit. The word of God says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So anytime there is fear that is produced in the church, fear to accomplish, fear to try, fear to, to go out and do something for the things of God, always this word of caution, this Word of fear, know where it came from. It didn't come from God. For the word of God says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what did he give us? He gave us love. He gave us power. And he gave us a sound mind. 19. But Peter and John reply after they threatened him. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't, we can't, we can't. I love this. Woo. He says, we cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. Did you catch that? See, if you've seen it, Sister Mary, or you've heard it, guess what? You can't nobody stop you from talking about it. If you don't stop talking about Jesus and boldly proclaiming his name, it's because you ain't seen or heard nothing. But for those of us out there that have seen some stuff, I feel my help in here now, and have heard some stuff, and have been through some stuff, and have been through the fire, and been through, I'm preaching now, ah, then, then can't nobody shut you up from giving him his glory. Can't nobody keep you from telling somebody about how good he is. He says, we cannot stop. You can threaten me all you want. I ain't gonna shut up. Telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further. That's all, this, that's all Satan can do. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. See, if we were really ministering in this community, the community, the community, the community would go to the mayor and say, you better give them the property. See, see if they try to move the Cleveland Browns from Cleveland and see where there'll not be a riot. Amen. Hey, listen, they, they, they said, listen, Art, Art Modell got us once. He ain't going to get us again. On the things that matter to us, we'll fight for it. I'm telling you right now. He said, we can't do nothing with these guys. He says, because if we do, the people. <laughs> Verse 22, for this miraculous sign the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. 
So here's the before and after. What was the difference before Pentecost and after in the lives of the disciples? Well, we know the system was afraid, but they were not. Okay, so here it is. The obvious difference between the disciples before and after was the Holy Spirit. Now, what, now, most of us in here say we have the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you the most obvious, and as I say this thing, I say, oh, my goodness, God, I have not seen this before. The major difference between the apostles before Pentecost and after was they were no longer afraid. I need you to hear me right now. I need you to hear me. When you have the Holy Spirit, you're not scared anymore. Yes, sir. You're right. Am I telling the truth? Okay. The, the, the disciples before Pentecost, they were scared. They were running. They, they lied. They denied. They betrayed. And they did all of that violence because they were afraid. McNair, they were, they, were, they were afraid. They were afraid of Christ's mission. You're going to die? Man, we ain't, we ain't trying. They were, it was fear. The difference between the apostles and the church is that the church is afraid of losing power, but the disciples ain't afraid of nothing. Can I tell you why they weren't afraid of anything? Because if you really believed in the resurrection, you know why they weren't afraid? Because Christ had just beat death. <laughs> so let me. This is why the Sadducees couldn't do anything with them, Andre. They couldn't do anything with them because they said, even if we threaten to kill them, that's not going to scare them because they believe that if they die, they'll get up again. And, you know, the Bible says uh, Christ. He warned his disciples. He says, "He said, be not afraid of those that can kill the body." but be afraid of those that can destroy the soul. He was trying to implant in their mind. And this is what's wrong with our church. This is the difference. I'm going to show you right now. The difference between the church of then and the church of now is the church of then wasn't scared because they really, here, stay here, stay here, stay here. They really believed in what the gospel was about. God beat death. So what do I have to be afraid of? Amen. Amen. Yes. All right, y'all don't believe me. Yes. Watch this. Watch. Verse 23. Here's where we end. So we just are really talking about Peter and John right now. Uh-huh. I mean, they're looking at these guys like, I don't care. You killed him. He's alive. And you need to repent. <laughs> Listen, no, no, understand now, they're standing in front of people who have power over their lives. 50 days ago, they were cowering and running and hiding and committing suicide. Now that the Holy Ghost, see this, listen, please don't miss this. One of the signs that the spirit of God is in your life, you ain't scared of people. You're not scared of the system. You're not afraid of people's opinion. You're not afraid of failure. You ain't afraid of success because you know he beat death. He be deaf. What I got to be afraid of about money? Christians ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're afraid that a blessing is on the way. You're afraid because you don't think you can pay your bills. How dare you insult God by being afraid about your money problems when he beat death? Last time I checked, he pulled money out of a fish's mouth. And I courage is just another word for faith. 
You know you have his spirit when you get to a place where you've got a living faith that believes what you cannot see. (laughs) I hope they're getting it, Lord. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Now, in modern church, if we were to come and say, hey, saints, uh, We've been threatened that if we keep doing what we're doing, they're going to shut us down. Or they're going to kill us. Now, a couple of things are going to happen. The rumor mill will begin to, to work. Ain't nobody tell them to take us all out there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, told, I told, you God, told you I told you God wasn't in this thing. I told you the Lord wasn't in this. At the first sign of threat, we start getting afraid. And so, look, I'm being honest. If I was Peter and John, I wouldn't have even told them. <laughs> you know, I, would, I ain't going to tell them this. Because if we tell them this, they're going to get scared and they're going to back out. Kind of like Caleb and Joshua, you know, when they got the report, they were afraid and the people did not believe. You know, it's all that, that whole thing. So, but notice this. Peter and John knew something about that church back then that we don't understand now. Well, they said, oh, we're going to go tell them what happened. We're going to go tell the believers. Now, watch what the believers do. The Bible says, when they, the church, heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. (laughs) Listen, listen here. Listen, listen. Anytime there's a threat to the work of God, this ought to be the response. Now, I'm going to explain in a minute, because a lot of us say, oh, yeah, I, I pray. They didn't, I pray. I'm going, to show you what, I'm going to show you what they did. All right. The Bible says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And notice how they prayed. And those of you who are in my uh, Ready, Set, Grow group, uh, you know that we taught on praying the scriptures. Amen. What they did is they began to remind God about what he said. They said, listen, we ain't going to get up here and beg for stuff that he ain't promised. We're going to tell him what he said. They said, oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Just reminding him of his authority. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Just remember where you're running things, Lord. (laughs) And the sea. Come on, somebody. And everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Through our ancestor, David. You spoke. Did y'all catch that? What is he doing? He is quoting the what? The scriptures. They are praying the word of God back to God. A threat comes their way. What do they do? They go back to the word and prayer and say, God, hold on now. Uh, We see this threat. Let us remind you of what you said. Now watch what they say. The Bible says, your servant saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? Verse 26, the kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Verse 27. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. So they took the word and they applied it to their situation. They said, this is what you said and this is happening right now. The Bible says, in fact... He says, for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, calling the names. I love, I love the praying saints. The governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Verse 28. 
but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Did you catch that? Let me tell you what's happening now, Norma Jean. What yes, what they're saying is, is oh, we're not tripping because there's opposition. You said it would come. We're not afraid of opposition. We're not afraid because it doesn't look like it's going to work out. You already told us it was going to be like that. We, we, don't, we don't send up caution flags the minute it doesn't look like what God promised is not coming to pass. You already told us you send us as sheep amongst wolves. We ain't tripping on that. Now, now, let me show you how I know they wasn't tripping. Look at what they say. It says in verse 29, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness, <laughs> great boldness in preaching your word. So they did not pray that the opposition be removed. In modern church, we pray that the trials be removed. We pray that there be no opposition. I mean, sometimes we pray, Lord, just praying that all things will go smoothly. Don't even pray that. Don't pray that things will go smoothly. Why? God, God, God has already told you it ain't going to go smoothly. Because if it went smoothly, you would never learn how to trust in Jesus. You would never learn how to depend on his word. You would never, you would take the credit. Orlando, you can't worry about opposition, brother. You can't worry about financing. You can't worry about how it's going to work out. Listen, we already got a word that's just told us there is going to be opposition. <laughs> oh. Now, Ronaldson says, stretch out your hand. Notice their prayer. Their prayer is just you deal with their threats, but you give us boldness because we don't got time for that. <laughs> y'all, did y'all remember that? My sister, uh, they put out on Facebook. She said, ain't nobody got time for that. She, <laughs> Hey, listen, the church, I got a word for you today. Ain't nobody got time for that. We don't got time to be sitting around worried about the negative. We don't have time to be sitting around and worried about how it ain't going to work out. Well, he said, what they said is, hey, you deal with that. But in the meantime, you give us boldness so that we can keep doing your work. Give us boldness so we can keep running the race. Give us boldness so we can keep talking about Jesus. We don't care. That's your business. The problems are your business. My business is to preach God's word. My business is to testify of his goodness. Oh, boy. Let me slow down. Hey. Boy, I love first service. Oh, I love first service. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs. Hallelujah. And wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And watch this. Watch what happened, y'all. Oh, God. It says, after this. Ah. The meeting place uh, shook. <laughs> and they were all healed <laughs> with the Holy Ghost. They preached the word of God with boldness. Come on in here, Zion. I want to tell you right now, the place would not have been shaken and they would not have received the Holy Spirit if they prayed a prayer of fear. See, what happened was, is God said, oh, they have my spirit. My spirit is a spirit of, we're not going to worry about ancillary things, insignificant things, things that we cannot control. What we can control is not what other people are doing. What we can control is the work of God. So our prayer is send healing power, send miracles, (laughs) send the breakthrough, save souls. Come on in here, beloved, and give us boldness. The Bible said that when they began to pray, I feel my help in here. 
Oh, I feel God all over my body right now. The word of God says that when they began to pray for the power of the boldness of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that the spirit showed up in that room like he did in the other room. And when he came in, the Bible says the place began to rock and it began to reel. <laughs> the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, I'm done. Here it is. The difference is the church was not afraid. The church prayed for more boldness. The church prayed. All right, so here it is. Our church. Go ahead, Michelle. We've got obstacles. Our members individually, you have obstacles. Let me, this, is, this is so simple. You know what we're supposed to do? Whenever there's an obstacle or a threat... We ain't supposed to run our mouths. No, let me tell you what they did. It says call prayer meetings. It didn't say get on the phone and call people and talk about what ain't and what. It says, it says they called the church to prayer. Look, look I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this real practical for you. We don't know where Pastor Evans is leading. And we're confused. We don't know where he's going. But, but, but what we're going to do is we're going to follow the word of God. Let's pray. Come on. Y'all meet at my house. Meet me at my house at 7 o'clock. We're going to come together and we're going to pray. Oh, I can't get nobody to talk to me now. I don't know what. I, I'll make it more practical for you. I, 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 my husband, he ain't living right. Uh, my child, they ain't acting right. Call up your girlfriends. Tell them, meet you at your house. And say, let's have an all-night prayer service. Don't talk about what your husband ain't doing and what the kids are not doing. But do what the church did. Call a prayer meeting. Y'all not hearing me in here. No, no, no. I didn't say pray by yourself. It says call the people of God together and begin to cry out to the Lord. The difference the Spirit of God makes is holy boldness. Stand to your feet. The difference that the Spirit of God makes is holy boldness. I want to read this to you. John Wesley. This was in his diary. Sunday morning. Y'all remember John Wesley, right? One of the early reformers in the church. Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, May 5th, in the afternoon, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, preached at St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday afternoon, May 19th, preached at St. George, kicked out again. (laughs) Sunday morning, May 19th, preached at somebody else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday, May 19th in the evening, preached on the street, kicked off the street. (laughs) Sunday morning, May 22nd, preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. (laughs) Sunday morning, June 2nd, preached out at the edge of the town, kicked off the highway. Sunday (laughs) evening, June 2nd, afternoon service, Preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. Come on in here, somebody. When opposition comes, keep on going. When opposition comes, keep on fighting. And when it's really pressing in on you, call you a prayer meeting. Gather your girlfriends at your house. Call your buddies up. Stop running your mouth. And God told me, I've been complaining about this situation in my life. And I've just been running my mouth with my brothers and my sisters. And and blah, blah, blah. And God said, boy, why don't you call a prayer meeting? Christians pray they way through. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. 
They don't watch TV their way through. They pray their way through. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, sound like. We're about to go into prayer. I want to invite everyone to the altar. We are going to cry out unto God as the early church did. We are going to cry out unto God. Anybody facing any opposition in your life right now? Come in here, Orlando Grant. Come in here. This man is leading our building project. We've got some opposition. Come on here, my brother. Lay hands on him. Lay hands on him. Lay hands on him. Anybody else? Anybody else in here know that you got some in your personal life? That you got some stuff in your own personal life where the enemy is threatening you? We know Orlando's not the only one, but is there anybody else? You got some stuff on you and the enemy is telling you, stop, slow down, don't go forward. But the word of the Lord to you today is God has not given you a spirit of fear. I want us right now to have the spirit of the early church and I want us to reach, reach deep down in our souls. And I want us to cry out unto the Lord for whatever comes to your mind. I don't, uh, it doesn't matter what you pray for. Whatever obstacle is in your way, I don't want you to pray for the obstacle to be removed. What I want you to pray for right now is for boldness. Is Sister Barbara Davis here this morning? Is she here? I need, who's on the outreach? Uh, uh, come, 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 Tibbs. We're going out into the community after second service. That's what we're about to do. We need boldness as we go out into the community. We're not, we're not just trying to pass our bags. We're trying to see souls saved. Yes. Lay hands yes. on this brother. Yes. He's representing the outreach endeavor that we're going out on today. Thank you, God. Pray. God says, cry out to me and ask for boldness. And I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to shake the house. <laughs> I'm going to shake the atmosphere. On the count of three, I want us to begin to open up our mouths and I want us to shake the rafters of this church with our, with our heartfelt cries to God. Whatever your situation you're in, whatever you're going through and you've got an obstacle in your way, I want you to pray that God would give you boldness so that you will keep on preaching and keep on teaching and keep on testifying and keep on talking of Jesus and keep on praising his name. Press your way through. One, two, three, Father God.